everybody. Welcome inside the Paragon Podcast. This is Doug Mitchell. Very pleased that you chose to join us uh, today, wherever you are around the globe. We're broadcasting from our beautiful Des Moines studio, and we are pleased and honored to have an amazing guest in the studio, Miss Shauna Dorsey. Thank you for coming, Shauna. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Could you start off and give us, give our audience and our listeners just a snippet of, of uh, who you are, what you do, and what you're passionate about? Mm-hmm. Yep, so um, I, I work at Mutual of Omaha Insurance okay. in Omaha, Nebraska, and I work in IT, um, and I focus on community engagement initiatives, so that's everything from high school students up to uh, volunteering in the community in partnership with our community affairs department and okay. many other business partners. Um, what was the other question? What am I passionate about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, love helping people, so if... If anybody uh, checks me out on LinkedIn or Facebook, you'll notice that I take photos with a lot of different people. My network yeah. is is very diverse, um, and I love it that way. And so I'm always looking for opportunities to help people achieve whatever goal that they're after, and that's what I love to do, mm-hmm. just making connections to... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell. I mm-hmm. see you. You are a social media, uh, I would say, expert, whatever you want. You're everywhere. All the time, which is good. I appreciate that. Um, I would definitely not use the word expert, so don't call me about your social media stuff, but um, (laughs) I do (laughs) love the tools. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You use them effectively. I I know that because when we started, you know, chatting kind of remotely over email for for the last few months, um, trying to put this together, uh, you know, I've followed you on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I've seen you everywhere. So it's just like, wow, how does she get to all these different places? Right. Uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, I appreciate that. So I know that you have um, a, an incredible diversity of knowledge, and I will call it expertise. I'm going to put that on you okay, thanks. Um, around many things <laughs> in IT and and sort of that long term view. So this thing that we hear about all the time is the skills gap. Mm -hmm. This is something that I'm, I've been passionate about for a very long time. It's something that can't necessarily just be boiled down into something easy, like, Hey, we need more people in STEM or just pay more. It's, it's more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. And I know you live inside this world, trying to develop this long game, uh, and solve for some of the, the skills gap. Tell me Mm -hmm. what your perception is. Is the skills gap real? What are some of the root causes? Let's just open that box and see where that goes. Okay. Love this question and this and this topic too. So um, is it real? I would say yes. And to your point, it is complicated. So um, we have a deficit of um, talent coming into STEM careers, as you know. And then for the folks who are already there, really making sure that they do what they need to do to stay relevant because they have to be either motivated to do it personally or driven by their organization to do it. And so that's a mm-hmm. challenge as well. Mm-hmm. Um, root causes, I think that there's there are many different, um, different points where we mm-hmm. lose talent. Um, along the way so mm-hmm. I think it's it's complicated it there's some of it that starts in the early school year some of it happens in college some of it starts once they join the workforce and as they continue to advance mm-hmm. so and then also uh, taking into account whatever is happening happening in an individual's life personally mm-hmm. outside of work we are not robots so mm-hmm. we're yeah. impacted by all that is happening with our um, yeah personally and professionally so mm-hmm. it's it's complicated it is mm-hmm. it is we're not robots yet <laughs> Give it time. (laughs) Working on that. Uh, No, that's that's I appreciate uh, that view. It is it is 
<clears throat> far more complicated. <clears throat> excuse me. It's far more complicated than just saying, you know, like I said, pay, pay more and you'll find mm -hmm. them. Or if we would just force everybody down some kind of pathway of, of uh, okay, everybody, kids, you all learn code. Right. It's more complicated than that. Yeah. And I'll say this, too, when I think about the... Um, how things were in the past. So when there were, uh, what do you call those things? Um, assembly lines, right? Mm -hmm. There's one way to do that job. One way to do it right to make sure that um, every every product is the same. Mm -hmm. When you're building applications using technology, it's evolving so quickly. The ways to get things done are uh, very diverse. Yeah, yeah. Um, the skill sets of the individuals that do the work um, are diverse. The people that provide the training for the people that will do the work is diverse. So it's it's there's so much to it and yeah. it's i think exciting um to try to work through this challenge but it's it is uh there's a lot to it yeah mm -hmm. and so you're working on it at many different levels um but let's let's think about you know what what advice or what pathway would you mm -hmm. try to you know if you're going to sit down and say okay here's a group and i know you do this already with high school students or otherwise let's mm -hmm. say you have someone who's you know uh, a group of kids who are eight years old versus let's say 12 years old or high school what what are you telling them in you know your conversations mm -hmm. what are they saying back what what does that look like you know because that's where it probably starts mm -hmm. we've seen code camps we see uh, there's a massive amount of online um education that's either free or close enough to free to make it real for for just about anybody to access right so what would you tell those folks in those different age brackets of school like what what should we do for the future to set yourself up for success great question and <clears throat> i like to keep it really short with kids just because i'm like look if they're interested they'll ask me questions mm -hmm. <laughs> but um the main thing that there's a few points so one is develop the skills to become a great learner because whatever job you you land will either not exist or will change at some point yeah or the skills to do it will change so just be open and accept the fact that changes change is inevitable so mm -hmm. be open to learning um figure out how to be a great team member and collaborator i think those skills are critical and if a kid can find a way to wait tables or do some sort of customer service type of job that mm -hmm. that can help set them apart even though it's not technical it's just the ability to be um flexible and communicate with a, div a diverse mm -hmm. group of people yeah. is extremely important. Um, those are the top two things and neither of those things are very technical, but mm -hmm. um, I think that they can help set an individual apart. And if on top of that, they happen to be a very talented technician or uh, wherever they're at on the spectrum of STEM or STEAM, mm -hmm. it, then that's you know, a huge bonus. But I think those are just two critical core skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes... It makes a lot of sense. And so then let's think about even a different age group. Let's mm -hmm. think about somebody closer to uh, my age group, uh, a little little more advanced than high school, mm -hmm. uh, just a bit. Um, <laughs> you know, what, what would you say to somebody who um, is in this kind of a situation where they're in a job, they have a skill set, but they're looking towards the future and saying, gosh, I, I read all these articles about machine learning and AI and mm -hmm. that my job is going to be possibly automated. And you, you, you see a lot of things out there that will talk about um, the skills, the soft skills. Uh, this is the key, you know, being able to communicate, being able to present, being able to sell your ideas mm -hmm. and and work across a, a matrix of people to get things done. What how's your advice change for somebody who's either mid or late career to remain relevant for the long term? 
um, I would say to really take a look at what your skills are because you might look at the market and say, okay, there's there are all these new jobs that require these skill sets that I don't have, which is true and that will always be true. But if you've been working for 20, 30, 40 years, you've developed some pretty significant skills that have value mm-hmm. in the workplace. Um, for example, I'm just thinking of anybody uh, that's been in management in some capacity over their mm-hmm. career mm-hmm. probably knows how to manage projects. They know how to um, get work done and how, how to delegate those sort of skills. So just be thinking about like, how can I leverage what I know? Yeah, that's, I think, important. Um, and also getting comfortable with the fact that um, you will now have to become a learner, too. So the kids yeah. are growing up kind of with the mindset that and they're being taught this in school more often, I think, that um that their jobs will change and that's just part of how things will be. Yeah. But our careers haven't necessarily been that way. So for a long period of time, you could have the same job and just say, well, this yeah. is my career. This is what I'm doing. Ride for. it out. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting comfortable with that is maybe step one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But also just not forgetting the expertise that you do have. So it's not yeah. throwaway experience. You know, it's interesting. So it really resonates when you talk about, you know, becoming a learner and be, if, if you have that native, I, I just have this incredible inquisitiveness to learn new things, period. I don't mm-hmm. care what it is. It's interesting to me, uh, whether it's code or something completely organic. I don't know, uh, like how to grow the best basil plants during the summer. I mean, <laughs> I, I like knowledge and I like learning. But some, I mean, it's not necessarily baked into everybody's mm-hmm. DNA that they want to just continually add and find interest in doing things. They want more of a box to be in, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. I sat next to a woman and uh, yesterday and started, you know, she started this dialogue. Turns out, you know, we have very, a lot of the same things in common and she was, let's say early fifties. And, and her comment was like, we just, I just need to, I just wish things would slow down and go kind of back to the way they were. So I could just ride this out to retirement, but it's, there's so much change and there's so much, it's just, I can't, you know, I can't even function. And that really hit home for me. Because, you know, she didn't at the, you know, I mean, maybe she's, I'm sure she has her own skill sets and everything that she's really good at, but she wasn't, you know, she was in that zone where mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm going to be relevant and I don't know what to do about it. And I don't know what steps to take. And I'm, she, you know, was more so resigned to mm-hmm. just waiting it out. And there is so much opportunity out there to learn and, and get new skills if you're not disciplined enough to do it on your own, you can pay for courses. You can do anything. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and I'm sure you, you know, you advise people of that all the time. There's, there's got to be uh, you know, a thousand different courses you could take, uh, packages of courses to get good at something. It doesn't have to be just code, right? But show, you know, given, show us what you've got in terms of your learning and your building your skills and continually adding, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's seems to be part of the secret sauce for that, for that career longevity. I agree. I agree. And, you know, also getting to the point, I, I kind of feel like part of the, um, the talent challenge back to this, and then I can talk about the individual is that it's not painful enough yet. Right. And yeah, so yeah. if you're an individual, you're where, where you're thinking, why can't things be how they were? It's just not painful enough yet. Yeah. You know, so then if she feels like, okay, I have to make a switch and I can't think about the past because it's not an option for me. It's not an option for any of us. But Mm -hmm. um, then how do I become relevant? You know, your mindset starts to shift, I would hope, because you have Mm -hmm. to take care of your family and do. Yeah. 
take yeah. care of your life. So. If it gets real. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I, I don't know who owns this phrase, but it was inspiration or desperation. And oftentimes, most <laughs> often desperation wins. Yeah. So, you know, at some point, maybe the desperation will kick in and right. learn something new and go for it. But right. interesting. Um, Last thing I really wanted to touch on, I, I know you you interact with all different levels of folks in in and around the your organizations that you work with. But I mean, from a technical standpoint, um, you know, you're, you're working with leaders. I'm sure you're working with frontline folks. You're working with kids. What have you seen in terms of the best IT leaders out there in terms of their skill set? What is required to become a really effective technical manager and leader and I and the reason I'm super interested in this is because normally at least in my experience um, people are promoted up at, because they're good at doing technical things they're good at communication they're good at collaboration and they really know what they're doing and then all of a sudden they're the boss and they're leading let's say 10 people and that becomes like ooh wait a minute, people are actually a lot harder to deal with than code. <laughs> um, what what have you seen in your experience that makes up really the qualities of a fantastic IT leader? Mm-hmm. I think that um, if you're able to um, approach each individual, because humans are so, we all have our own agendas and baggage and you name it, people have it. So no matter how good they are technically, they could show up today and something traumatic happened in their family and they still have to come to work Mm -hmm. and do the same job. And like I said before, but like we are not yet robots. I used yet because of you, Mm -hmm. but we're not. Thank you. And so we bring our whole selves to work even when we don't want to, when we want to leave that hard part at home. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a leader that can really connect to your people or with your people, Mm-hmm. And they feel that they can, um, if there is a challenge and they're not able to be as productive for whatever reason, that they can have those conversations with you. Mm-hmm. I think that is so critical and that can help set someone apart versus like you're not showing up as at 99% today like yeah. you did the other day. Um, that's just one small aspect of it. But I really think that being able to connect with your talent, your your resources, treat them as individuals, not mm-hmm. just programmers or whatever skill they they were hired for yeah is yeah critical yeah but then also keeping your expectations super high of those people Mm -hmm. but being respectful of the fact that they are individuals with yeah lives real (laughs) lives Mm -hmm. outside of where yeah right yeah it's it's that connection with the the team and having that connection at the right level right to be able to have those kinds of conversations to be able to coach develop Mm -hmm. Uh, have a tough conversation if you need to deliver some kind of feedback, whether it's positive or challenging. I don't know. You know, yeah, right, it takes right. it takes a it takes a lot of uh, uh, emotional intelligence to be able yes, to, to do that. Exactly. And yes. we don't test for that, it seems, in the interview process. I mean, I might proactively say, here's where I fall on this spectrum of mm-hmm. emotion. You know, maybe I did my own assessment, but. You know, I suppose organizations do test for things like that, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I've I've not seen like emotional intelligence be the quiz that right. decides whether or not you get the job or not. You know? Yeah, not formally anyway, not yet. Um, I also think too that you know you have to also remember that you yourself are a human as a leader. You know, so it's mm-hmm. just yeah. There's a lot. It's know? a big. There's a lot to the equation. There's a lot to the equation. A lot to being great as a leader for sure. 
So, Sean, as we as we talk about, you know, the sort of this adult transition um, into different careers, different models over time, you've had plenty of transitions and different roles, uh, just a broad scope. Um, and so that it's fascinating to me. Tell me, um, you know, unpack that a little bit. What is it like to do that? What have you done? Uh, how has it benefited you to do that? What's the kind of like what's the big transition? Give me the mojo behind it. OK, OK, that's. That's fun. So um, I'm going to just start like about 10 years ago and then okay. this will go really fast. But because it was quick. <laughs> but about 10 years ago, I was waiting tables. Um, I was a recent I wasn't actually a recent college grad. I had graduated with a bachelor's degree in management information systems mm-hmm. like five years prior. And I just jumped around so much that I had like no tangible skills because I didn't stay anywhere long <laughs> right, enough. So right. I ended up waiting tables for five years, uh, which I think was one of the best decisions I've ever made and has actually made me a much better professional. Mm. Um, but when I was waiting tables, I um, took on an internship at what was ConAgra at the time and uh, was bought, the division was bought out by the Gavilan Group. Mm-hmm. And so when I joined Gavilan, I was um, a help desk intern for a while and learned a ton. The first time I was asked to um, swap out memory in a computer, I was like, "Yeah, what are you even talking about? I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> um, but then, you know, eventually got good enough at that and then transitioned a few times within Gavilan. Um, but every time I switched jobs, I was always thinking, um, what is it that I'm trying to do? And I had great mentors along the way who helped provide guidance to me. And so I really leaned into the project management aspect of things. Mm. So um, I just kept taking on opportunities to do things that looked like project management. Mm-hmm. I never had the formal title of project manager yeah. really anywhere. Yeah. But I was just doing that type of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so after a couple years, four years actually at Gavilan, I, I um, switched to a consulting role. I was doing SharePoint consulting mm. just from <clears throat> some work I did on the side for traders while at Gavilan because they had little app ideas they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I was willing to build those on the over the weekend. Uh-huh. So developed that skill set. I became a SharePoint uh, consultant, like I mentioned, and then started Interface School a year later. And so one thing that has been pretty prevalent in my career is that I'm just not afraid to try new stuff. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, will that get me closer to the thing? How scary is it? What will happen if I mess up? So that's kind of my formula. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of it. Um, But then, yeah, I've just started the school, sold the school to a nonprofit and then was there for about a year and a half and then went off on my own again mm-hmm. for a few months. And now I'm at Mutual of Omaha. And the great thing about where I'm at now is I've built up so many, have built or developed so many relationships over the past five years. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I brought those to Mutual and I continue to use those to help people do more things and support my role as um, in community engagement and IT at Mutual. So yeah. it's been fun. Sounds like it. It's a lot. A lot yeah. of variety. <laughs> yeah, variety is good, right? For people like yeah. us, it keeps us from getting uh, operational, I think. We <laughs> right. talked about it. When it gets to operational, it's a little more challenging to stay in you know, in tune with it. It's tougher. Yeah. yeah. I like the new stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Um, let me, I want to hear, you work so much with kids. Mm-hmm. I want to hear a little bit more about that, what you're doing. What, you know, I know it's a passion. Tell me more about what you're doing with kids and how that's working. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't do as much today as I did in the past. Um, but one of the reasons why anything that is is um, kid focused, especially like STEM and kids mm-hmm. focused is important to me or I try to support it in any way I can is because I understand the opportunities. Like my career would not be what it is without um, having exposure to opportunities in tech. 
Now, I never want to become a programmer. I've realized that I'm really okay with that. But I love IT and I love the opportunities and the the way that it can potentially transform people's lives. Mm -hmm. And it, um, yeah, so it's amazing. And um, I just love to try to help kids position themselves to be successful in IT if possible. Yeah, to see that future, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the future is holds a tremendous opportunity if you're willing to seize it. I just, you know, right. every day I think about it and it, and it, I have a 14 year old and a 16 year old, so it's becoming more real. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? What are you thinking about? What do you right. like trying to, you know, shape and mold? And, and, uh, so luckily the, I'll give you a small anecdote. Mm-hmm. My 16 year old finally, cause he's, he's pretty quiet and doesn't really talk much, mm-hmm. which I think many boys are that way. I was. And uh, he said one day something like, uh, yeah, I'm really interested in, you know, he watches these his crime scene shows, oh, yeah. CSI, but uh, NCIS. He watches all of those. He said, I'm, I'm pretty interested in forensics. I'm like, man, that would be fantastic. It's a science based career. Mm-hmm. It's something that, um, you know, uh, you can get a two year degree and actually start doing the job mm-hmm. and Hopefully somewhere along the line, somebody will, if you want more college education, people might pay for it right. or help you along the way. So these are very relevant things for, for kids today. And I, and I think an interesting little side, maybe this will be perfect topic for some other podcast that we do together. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that, um, that apprentice sort of two year degree, start working, get something technically sound under your belt and yeah. then figure out the rest is a really wise way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we'll we'll see how that works out for my son. But, yeah, you know, it's I agree. it's interesting to see what programs are out there today mm-hmm. and what they're trying to accomplish with them and, and how much schools are pushing them. Mm-hmm. And I frankly, I'd much rather spend, you know, 10 or 15 thousand dollars for a two year degree and come out making, you know, a, a fantastic salary as a 20 ish year old than I would to go to school for four years and come out and possibly make the same salary maybe less i don't know and then uh, just yeah right. it doesn't yeah, i've got to pay back hundreds of thousands of dollars it just doesn't make sense sometimes. i agree and i know this is a future podcast but i will say this in support of that idea so there's two two things that are awesome about that one is to your point you get to work asap and you understand what the real world is like mm-hmm. that is so important for a young person um and yeah, you understand like how far a paycheck goes and being responsible yeah. and all of that. And then on the flip side, like you mentioned, if you work for many companies now, will pay for tuition. They mm-hmm. do tuition reimbursement. So you get the skill. You don't go into as much debt. You start working for a couple of years and then go back to school if you need to. Yeah. I mean, it's it it's doesn't safe. cut the schools out. It just delays the start. And it's so much better for the student. Yeah. You know, they show up a little bit wiser. You yeah. know, so yeah. that's also great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I tell my son, I'm not going to pay for you to go to a four year school so you can find yourself and right. figure out, you know, life because you're not going to in that vacuum environment. However tough school was Very in true. retrospect, school was pretty darn easy. I mean, yeah. you know, you can say that when you're old like me, but, <laughs> you know, uh, anyway. So fantastic. On that note, let's wrap. And okay. um Shauna, will you tell us where can we reach you if somebody's mm-hmm. listening to the podcast and they say, man, she's an interesting cat. I need to go talk to her. I need to find out more about her. Where should they go to find you? Um, go to LinkedIn. I'm on there as LaShauna Dorsey. So Shauna with an L.A. at the front. That's okay. my full name. Um, or SeanaDorsey.com is um, my website. That is not live right now. 
but oh. it will be. <laughs> by the time this goes out, by it will be? By the time this goes out, <laughs> because that gives me a little bit it of better uh, be. pressure yeah. to finish it. Good job. <laughs> it's like 90% the done. <laughs> okay. Well, then we have, we know what you're going to be doing this weekend. There you go. The extra 10%. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming in here, driving across from Omaha. I know it's not that far, but it's a that's you know it's a big investment and we sincerely appreciate it i've had a great time and you're always welcome back in the studio anytime you want whether it's remote and we talk on the phone or via <laughs> skype or right here in this office you just let us know and we'll do it okay all right sounds good have a great day thank you, you too, thank you.